It's time for the Average Pros Fantasy Football Podcast, featuring Jonathan Ritz, Alex Huff, and Braden Crow. What is up, everybody, and what's going on? Welcome back to the Average Pros Fantasy Football Podcast. We have been on a little holiday hiatus. We hope that everybody had a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and that it brought many fantasy football championships to our listeners. Um, I know that uh, between the three of us, we did not get uh, as many championships from Santa as we hoped, Um, but we will punt that conversation down the road for when we can actually stomach talking about that. But for today, we are going to just kind of close out the 2022 fantasy football season, put a nice little bow on it. Um, I'm here with Alex and Brayden, so let's just kind of kick it off, Brayden, with your initial reactions to the 2022 fantasy football season. Uh, Travis Kelsey or bust, man. It's He broke the game again this year, and... Uh, you know, I think we all thought Mark Andrews would be that. I, everyone knows how much I loved and still love uh, Kyle Pitts. Thought that he would be that. Um, and no one even got close. It's just absolutely insane how much he was a cheat code. I guarantee you that whenever all the stats come out on, you know, players that were on the most championship teams, I guarantee you he is on those because. He was such a huge advantage. That was probably my biggest takeaway. Yeah, almost a hundred more points than the number two tight end in PPR leagues. So well, and a hundred a hundred more than the number three. It's it's a scary thing too, because he is now officially over the age cliff. Like he is older than anyone else to produce at this level. Like everyone was saying it was this season. And so now it's is he gonna be at a greater discount? And if he is are we going to draft him or? Well, that's just... what I was about to say. We're kind of putting the cart ahead of the horse, but in our, I'm already seeing dynasty like 2023 rankings and drafts and just redrafts even. And Travis Kelsey is like a top three pick going into next year with Justin Jefferson. And so it'll be, it's kind of going to be one of those hot debates. Like how high do you take Kelsey going into next year, knowing he does what he does, but the age is just a little bit. Every year we get a little bit closer to the cliff. And so it'll be a fun off season to debate that. I mean, he was set up perfectly with the way that the Chiefs structured everything, just with not having a true number one and him being that stalwart. But and it doesn't look like they're gonna, you know, change the island of misfit toys, you know, idea anytime soon because they made the playoffs as a one seed. So Alex, what about you? What was your initial takeaway from the season? My initial takeaway was very similar similarly to what we tried to kind of predict and strategize for a lot of the top 12 to 15 wide receivers that were drafted in the 12 to 15 finished in the 12 to 15 barring injury. And there's a good amount of running backs that were drafted in those top 12 to 15 spots that didn't finish anywhere close. So I don't know kind of how this will frame our conversation in this off season. I was already kind of high on the zero RB game, but um, I think it's just becoming a little bit more fortified as these top wide receivers just continue to produce at the level that they are. Um, and don't seem to be trailing off. A lot of them are very young, so it'll be a interesting offseason for that. But that, that was at least my initial takeaways. The teams that drafted wide receiver early did really well, by and large. You figure that this uh, next draft season is probably going to be very highly zero RB 
uh, contested just because a lot of the dead zone running backs will uh, kind of performed um, with, with where you got them. So um, I'll just jump into to my initial reactions and Brayden, if you have any thoughts on Alex's or, or what I say here, but yeah, just the, the performance of the dead zone running backs. I'm not, I don't have it here in front of me, but I know for a fact, Josh Jacobs was a dead zone running back. And uh, obviously we know what he did finishes the RB three, which is ridiculous. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson uh, was a dead zone running back or kind of back in. He was running back 10. Um, even David Montgomery, you know, was a, was red zone uh, or dead zone running back. And he finished his RB 22, which I mean, not great, but the end of the season there, he got you kind of through the playoffs there. So there's just a, kind of some initial ones off the top of my head um, where, you know, they weren't, they didn't leave you for dead. I mean, then of course you do have the Elijah Mitchells, which were hurt most of the season. Um, but I don't know if y'all have any other thoughts on the the dead zone initial reaction there, but that's, that's where I, where I land initially. Yeah. I, you know, it's not a perfect strategy. That's if it was, everyone would do it, but you know, it's, I, I remember that um, we were talking about dead zone running backs and really how to find who is going to be like the next guy, like who's going to pop. And it was looking specifically at age. It was looking at um, like just talent, like how explosive are they going to be? And I'm, I'm looking back at like pre-draft stuff and it's like Montgomery was there. Brees Hall was there. You know, it's like AJ Dillon was there and, he didn't have the year we thought, um, you know, Elijah Mitchell was there. Chase Edmonds was there. I think that, that surprised us a lot that, that he didn't do great. Dobbins was there. Um, Gibson was there. Pollard. Yeah. Pollard. Stevenson. Uh, Yeah. Penny. But like, yeah, I mean, for every, for every explosive guy that we've, we've talked about, there's also a Kareem hunt though. And, you know, there's some ambiguous backfields that, you know, really turned out and really got solidified. And there's other ambiguous backfields that are still just as ambiguous right now as they were then. And that's like, I think about Devin Singletary and James Cook and, you know, and so it's just messy, but I I think that if you're trying to make a gamble, it's like, and take those studs early in the draft, the CD lambs, the Justin Jefferson's, you know, a top tier tight end, or whatever. And then your, you know, your team may grab James Cook, but your team also grabbed Kenneth Walker and one is able at that point. Yeah. It's definitely hard to, it's a dart throw for sure, but um, it's interesting. Just the dead zone, dead zone aspect, you know, it maybe shouldn't be called a dead zone. Could maybe be called a sometimes zone. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, let's jump. Go ahead, Alex. I was just going to say, yeah, I don't know if it has to be one extreme or the other, but I think probably the point, Jonathan, you and I are both trying to make is that it's shifting a little bit in terms of the draft of, okay, the first seven picks are going to be running backs. I think shifting away from that more dramatically this year than in other years where it'll be a lot more wide receiver tight ends and then get your running backs later, which I not full zero RB, but it's a little bit more shifting to get these top wide receivers. I mean, the top wide receivers, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, A.J. Brown, CeeDee Lamb, Jalen Waddell, Amon Ra, Mari Cooper, Devonta, I mean, Mike Evans, T. Higgins. Like, those are all guys that we thought would be there. So it's just a little more predictable. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But I think we're all kind of saying the same thing. Yeah, it's also interesting, too. You've seen probably, at least for my leagues, a shift toward PPR um, for a lot of leagues. And so, obviously, those pass catchers become a little bit more valuable. So you see them go a little bit higher. And so that 
factors into zero RB and all that stuff as well. So um, go ahead, Brad. Oh, yeah. Just one last quick takeaway, just because I was looking at stuff while y'all were talking, is that in half point PPR this year, Travis Kelsey, tight end one, would have finished as the wide receiver four ahead of Stefan Diggs. AJ Brown, CD Lamb, John Waddle. So just a little fun fact for you. Yeah, that's fantasy football in a nutshell, for sure. Well, let's jump to just some initial takeaways. Obviously, Travis Kelsey was a great example there, but um, just kind of going position by position and breaking down some surprises um, or some reactions that we had to certain players. And so we each kind of taken a player in each um, category and just kind of want to talk a little bit about those. So, uh, you know, either one of y'all can start, but we're going to start with the quarterbacks. Um, I guess maybe Alex, we can, we can start with you, man. Who was a quarterback that surprised you and why did it surprise you? Yeah. So um, I think Justin Fields is on the radar for everybody probably. So I'll kind of leave that just for, you know, I don't think we need to discuss it too much. The one that I'm really curious to see what shakes out throughout the off season is going to be Trevor Lawrence from weeks 12 on, he was the quarterback six. And he really made an impact for you. I think if you had Trevor Lawrence on the stretch, you felt that you had him. He had some really big games, some really big weeks. And then you also see their team kind of ascending. Um, I kind of contrast that to like two of the of our low at the beginning of the season where he was just on blazing fire. And then he kind of dies out. And I think we probably putting Trevor Lawrence ahead of Tua next year at this point, just based on kind of what what how they finished the year where if, if they were flipped and Trevor Lawrence started hot but ended a little bit hurt and Tua started off rough and then kind of went out then I think it'd be an interesting conversation so I always kind of try to look at those and see what is recency bias what isn't and I don't think Trevor Lawrence is but it'll be interesting to see how his stretch his run down the stretch really was impacted and like how that compares to a Kyler Murray right or how that compares to a you know Geno Smith or even a Jared Goff, I think that's an interesting question because he kind of ended the year hot too. So um, there's not a whole lot of discussion, I think, at the top tier of those quarterbacks, but I think those like six through eight, like six through 10 are really interesting conversations to be had. Yeah, I think that uh, Trevor Lawrence is a really interesting name, like you said. It's going to be, I mean, with the Jaguars ascending as a team and him seeming to kind of find his stride, um, he definitely was a, a playable, I mean, not even a streamer by the end of the season. Like you were starting him over some of the guys that you drafted late, like you said, like Kirk Cousins and Tom Brady and some of that stuff. So um that's really interesting. Uh Brandon, you have any thoughts on on those takes there or you can jump into your guy who was a surprise for 2022. No, I just along with what Alex was saying with it depends on whenever it happens in the year. Like that's recency bias and draft season and all that. Um, you know, I, I think that Lamar Jackson is going to be a huge discount in this next year's draft because of how much time he's missed and whenever he was healthy, how bad he looked. I mean, he, he didn't have a lot of weapons. He he didn't have a good, healthy running back. Dobbins wasn't back with him yet. And so I still think Lamar's going to be great. He, I mean, I, I expect that he will be on a different team. Um, he's, he's up for a contract and they haven't been able to figure it out. Um, but you know, I think it's both he and Justin Herbert, I think are going to be huge discounts, um, this next year. Uh, I just, Justin Herbert finished as a top 12 quarterback, but fantasy points a game. He was, 
he had less fantasy points a game than Sam Darnold did this year. And I just, I don't think that's, I don't think that's going to be his career. I think he's, he's going to regress. Yeah. It's really interesting that tier, right? It, Cause it's, it, we all kind of had Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Jalen Hurts, I'm pretty sure was we had kind of there. We had Lamar, but then you kind of have this like weird tier with like Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Kyler Murray. Lamar Jackson very well should be, could be on another team. Kyler Murray either will be on another team or will have a completely different coaching situation and GM situation, right? And then Justin Herbert, it looks like the coach will stay the same now, but you just kind of figure out they're all in very different situations, but they're all in the similar tier and they all underperformed. And so it'll be interesting to see kind of how that's handled um, going into this next year, because I there's regression, positive regression coming for all of them. Yeah, Kyler Murray's hard because he probably won't play for you know a good part of the first season, so it's a it's a tricky one because it's like yeah they could get a new coach and who knows what that but it looks like they're gonna try and trade DeAndre Hopkins was like one of the latest but, things, so that's a weird situation. Yeah, but you know you you add to it like let's add Russell Wilson in that tier, you know, and I I went back I've been going back and like listening to podcast that we did preseason and us talking about Russ and like each of us at different points and really anyone in the industry has been saying, you know, here's this future hall of famer entering Denver. And it's like now, now being on the other side of the season, I think about Russell Wilson and the idea of him being a hall of famer does not come to mind. I mean, his season was so bad that I don't even think about him being a hall of famer. And so since Hackett's been gone, um, I don't have his metrics in front of me or how his finishes have been or whatever, but like, I know it's been drastically better. And so the, I, for me, that's a good sign. It's been only two games. And so that's not great. That's a, like a, that's not a huge sample. He, he was size, the QB but, eight in those two games combined. Yeah. So, you know, it's, I, I want to be, I want him to be good again, but it's like I'm not even thinking about him as a future Hall of Famer at this point anymore. It's a weird place to be. Yeah, I I didn't even Russell Wilson didn't even cross my mind as something that was a surprise, but I forgot how high we were on him at the beginning of the year. I vividly remember talking about him as a QB one or as the QB one, which is ridiculous. Now, in hindsight, I think for me, my surprise was maybe more of an obvious one. But Joe Burrow, I think where you got him in the draft, no one was really talking about him as a top eight quarterback pick. Um, and then he finishes as the QB four and half, uh, I guess half PPR doesn't affect him, but um, finishes a QB four. And I bet that in, yeah, in six point throwing leagues, it was probably even a little bit higher. Um, y'all can correct me maybe, but just, yeah, where you got him and, and the discount, of course he didn't really contribute to your championships necessarily, which is kind of a tough blow um, when you get somebody, but getting you to the playoffs in those last regular season games he was a a really strong candidate and i mean putting up i mean he averaged 22 points a game which is kind of right before you enter that elite tier with you know mahomes allen and hurts which were on another level but um we got joe burrow late your team was pretty well-rounded um in that and so that's kind of my takeaway and my surprise at the quarterback position do you have any other thoughts on quarterback before we jump to uh running backs cool cool well let's uh jump to running backs we'll come right back to you Braden. Um, what was, I guess, a surprise for you at the running back position as you kind of do some initial analysis and reactions? Yeah. Um, sorry to take the obvious one guys, but, uh, 
it's Josh Jacobs. Um, holy cow, he looked amazing all year long, and um, I'm really interested to see where he's going to go in redraft next year. I'm really interested to see the haul that people get for him in dynasty, but even really more than that, I'm super interested to see what happens to him in the NFL. Like where is he going to land? Because Vegas declined his fifth year option. So he can go anywhere that's willing to pay him. And um, he's going to get a bag of money. He split a lot of time with um, Damien Harris in college. And so he has a lot of tread left on the tires. Um, and so anyways, I'm just, I was shocked by how dominant he was. I mean, some of the, the biggest performances in fantasy we've seen. Yeah. I think he might be, we haven't talked through this really, but he might be this year's clearest league winner, like based on where you got him just because he was, I it feels like every team that I saw in the championship had Josh Jacobs because their team became so wildly like stacked because they probably had two running backs that kind of hit then you add another the top three running back um kind of as you have like a cooper cup value add when cooper cup was getting drafted in like the sixth and seventh rounds um definitely really like that especially because he'd be on the team like if he goes to kansas city or buffalo or like there's a lot of places he could go that we have to consider him you know tier guy off the cuff ultimate best landing spot for josh jacobs in the offseason Fantasy wise, I mean, I think Kansas City or Buffalo. Yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, yeah, I guess. I'm just trying to think about, like, if Miles, fantasy. if Miles Sanders moves on and Eagles look at him, that could be good. Philly, yeah, I may be, be crazy. I, I, I think my, I think Miami wouldn't yeah. be bad. I might be crazy because I may not understand the full gravity of the contract situations here. But if they let Pollard walk in the off season. And then they signed Jacobs and then let Zeke go next year when his contract's dead money. I don't know. It's just something that popped in my head. It could not even be possible, but that's just, I, I might be on some. As a, as a Cowboys fan, I know that we don't have that, that much money, but I, I think that something like that is going to happen in the draft. I think Dallas is going to draft a running back or they're just going to keep Pollard. And somewhere where else is like, if they let Montgomery walk, they have a lot of, a ton of money, a ton of gap space. Like the Bears could go after him and they get a wide receiver or two with, Justin Fields and their offensive line, it could look good. So this will be a fun offseason. Do they trade though. that first round pick to the Raiders to get Josh Jacobs? Well, I guess you wouldn't trade, you just sign him, but are they just go get go get Josh Jacobs? I, do they do sign in trades Adams. in the NFL? I know that's popular in the NBA. I don't I don't know how that stuff works, but anyway. Um Braden, that was you. Uh Alex, what was yours? Or I, I can go real quick. Um I'll just kind of take the floor. I'll be quick, but um, I think for me it was Jamal Williams. Um, obviously being the Lions truther. Uh, of us all but 17 touchdowns breaks Barry Sanders record like it was consistent throughout the season he tailed off a little bit for a couple games there at the end of the year but overall the running back 12 um and just a really really great season obviously that was aided by DeAndre Swift's injuries but a thousand yards um and essentially um yeah broke Barry Sanders record and had a really great season so especially in like standard leagues or even half PPR um, he was, he was really valuable because I, in PPR, he drops out of the top, uh, 12, but nonetheless, I really, really think that he was a, a pleasant surprise, not only as a Lions fan, but as a fantasy football player, if you picked him up or had him. Yeah. I mean, uh, 
I don't know, you're the Lions truther, but you weren't able to predict that Jamal Williams was going to break Barry Sanders' record. Like, are you even a Lions fan? That was not even on the bingo card. Like, <laughs> what? Barry Sanders, Jamal Williams in the same sentence is just like, eh? so. Now, if DeAndre Swift did it, it would have been like, okay. Right, you're talking to DeAndre Swift, a thousand, a thousand at the beginning of the year, and then all of a sudden Jamal, yeah. Jamal Williams is like, hold my beer. Like, here's 17 touchdowns at a thousand yards rushing. <laughs> like, what? But also, like, not repeatable, right? Like, we're not drafting Jamal Williams anywhere close to this. Not as a top 12, but I mean, I think with the way that the Lions play and the way that they model and with what you're looking at with the Lions for the future to come, I mean, he's a flex option for sure. And so will DeAndre Swift be a buy low? In Dynasty, he for sure is. Yeah, I think you can you could probably get him low, but he had a good end of the season too, so people might be thinking... I don't know. I mean, with I bet, I bet, I bet Swift goes in the late fourth round, and Jamal Williams goes in the late sixth round. Yeah, that's it's going to be like the same. It's going to be like a Zeke, a Zeke Pollard situation of this last year. Pollard went later in the sixth round, though. Yeah. No, I'll see him like the eighth and tenth round. He was six, seventh. We need to find out. That's this is just a side note live, uh, but we need to find out who won the guillotine league. <laughs> that we were all in together i think i think they split pot so they probably <laughs> like did everyone they probably else did. did that's a an anomaly un, unexpected for sure alex did you give a running back who's your running back i have not yet uh so the one that i bring up just because it's been two years in a row is cam makers and from weeks 11 on he was the rb10 weeks 13 on he was the rb Nope, four. So he did this last year where he just went nuclear whenever you need him the most. Now, there's a lot happening in Los Angeles, so I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself here because Sean McVay could be gone. Matthew Stafford could be gone. Like Rams could be in complete rebuilding. Cam Akers could be gone if they need to clear up cap space and get draft picks. But I just think it's worth noting that he was also good again in the second half of the year. I don't know what it is with him in like first half of the season. If he just needs, you know, the extra 10 weeks to warm up or what it is of the off season. But he was again, very good late. And then the second thing kind of wanted to just like touch and put out there that we discuss this off season were how bad some of the big names were late. Like Dalvin cook, for instance, was really, 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 really bad. The last couple of weeks, Joe Mixon was and Alvin Kamara bad team but also really bad and so it'll be interesting to see kind of how that you know like we're saying with guys like deandre swift who was really good late cam maker is young really good late tony pollard we're just seeing some of these the age gap kind of turn over a little bit so i just want to note that for probably future conversations that i had Del Cook on a lot of my rosters and he murdered me so the other name that they're out there is nick chubb off the top of my head he kind of disappeared late in the season. Of course, the Browns just kind of disappeared. And uh, Deshaun Watson wasn't very good. I feel like I might have said something like that. But, yeah, here's keeping track. So, uh, mini victory lap. Uh, let's jump to wide receivers. So, uh, Alex, let's go back to you. Do you have you have a wide receiver um, initially? If not, I can jump here and give you a little bit more time as we're kind of doing this live off the cuff. No, I do have one. I was trying to find the exact week that he became kind of a superstar. Oh, I had it. It's week 10. So from week 10 on, Devonta Smith was the wide receiver five. 
And so I just think, and AJ Brown was wide receiver six. I would still take AJ Brown over Devonta Smith. Their offense obviously was really good, but AJ Brown, it's, it's the Jamar Chase, T. Higgins situation. It's the Mike Evans, Chris Godwin situation. The superstars there. He also takes, you know, the primary coverage and the second guy. So it, there's a little bit of that going on, but I just think we can't discredit Devonta Smith anymore at this point. I think he's come on too strong. He's too good. He's too young. Trophy winner. Um, I think he should just be a big buy. I mean, I don't even say buy low, but kind of a buy high, especially in dynasty going forward. Like I think you just you try to get in where you can. Yeah, Devontae Smith, I know helped me big on a team. And you know, it's obviously it shows that Jalen Hurts can throw the ball and they can score. Um, and AJ Brown proved to be a difference maker just opening up the field. Um, and Devontae Smith got a lot of those those short routes there and it was really interesting. Um, I'll interject here real quick and just so this one doesn't get stolen, <laughs> but I don't think it will. Um, my wide receiver surprise was the Brandon Ayuk Debo Samuel finishes. Um, you had in one of my in half or in full PPR, Debo Samuel finishes the number 17 wide receiver. Debo, or excuse me, Brandon Ayuk finishes the number 17 wide receiver. Um, you can see why I might have been confused. And Debo Samuel finished as a number 35 wide receiver for the 49ers to be as good as they were this year and are currently still um, personally my Super Bowl favorite uh, to win it. Um, it's really surprising that Debo Samuel wasn't up there in the points and in the rankings. Um, if you would have told me at the beginning of the season, Hey, Debo Samuel is going to finish outside the top 30 and the 49ers are going to be a Super Bowl con- strong, strong Super Bowl contender. I would have been like, nah, probably not. Or that they went through four quarterbacks, um, three quarterbacks. Well, I think the second part's true that they would they wouldn't have been a Super Bowl contender. But I think we were all kind of fading Debo based on. But to the to the running back or to the wide receiver thirty six though or thirty five, you think he was going to fall that far? I mean, we had him as like a pretty easy wide receiver too. I feel like Like we we had a I think we had an episode about that. It's kind of like honestly what people were projecting of these two wide receivers going into last year's draft. Right, everyone was drafting Brandon Ayuk in the fifth round and Debo in the seventh. But people weren't, people weren't drafting Brandon Ayuk ahead two years of ago. Debo. Brandon Ayuk was going like the fourth, fifth round. Two and years Debo, ago? Debo and Debo that's was true. going Debo. in the seventh. Yes. Yeah, two, two years, two years ago. Yeah, that's right, because that was his year two breakout. But, I mean, but this year, like, they were drafting him, you know. They were drafting Debo as the wide receiver seven and Ayuk as the yeah, but we, wide receiver 30. So None of us drafted yeah. Debo pretty much anywhere because he was too high for all of us, right? Oh well, yeah. I had him on I had him on one. Team. I have him in our league of record because That's I didn't draft him like I but I traded for him in the offseason, you know. But I also traded away Keenan Allen for him, so I mean it is what it is. Anyway, I just I was really surprised that with the quarterback change and with where the 49ers are at that they won Brandon Ayuk, Ayuk ended up finishing that high. Um, but Debo, you know, obviously injuries played a big role in that, but um was surprised that he fell that far and they were still as good as they were. So um that is my wide receiver surprise. Braden, kick it to you. Uh mine was honestly Garrett Wilson. Um, you know, I was really, really excited for Elijah Moore this year. And I, you know, this all kind of stems from Zach Wilson at, you know, we thought that he would take a step forward and, um, he took a step back. So, um, took like four <laughs> steps back, but, um, 
Elijah Moore had a really, really, really bad year. And I think that we all expected Garrett Wilson to be good. Like, but this for, but for it to kind of come on maybe later or just to see a little bit of it, especially with him being on the Jets. But he just looked dominant. Like he, he is one of the hottest like dynasty assets. He, he is so undervalued in redraft and, or he was so undervalued in redraft. And so I'm interested to see where he goes um, next year, but I mean, he looks like an alpha wide receiver and he's going to be, and um, I'm super excited to see where he goes, like just where he goes in his career. Cause I was really shocked by how, good he was i was way too low do you think he's gonna have the best career trajectory of any of the rookie wide receivers that were drafted uh i think that he will have a better trajectory than burks uh london uh what about i was gonna say what about justin jefferson i mean chris alave uh i that was a callback to previous episodes if you didn't catch that reference it was. He, he was a my guy. And he finished so as a top 25 remembers. wide receiver. So, I mean, he had a good season for a rookie, but um, Wilson was 23. I really like I really like Olave next year as well. But um like kind of the kind of the litmus test I give myself whenever I'm comparing players like that is I trade them to each other's teams. And I think about what Olave would do on the Jets versus what Garrett Wilson would do on the Saints. And I I just I think that Garrett Wilson has a better career trajectory. I will say this, this is a little side note and we'll talk about it later. I'm sure in the off season, but uh, I think Jahan Dotson has to be in that conversation. I think he, he really came on at the end of the year as well. And he started the year strong too. Yeah. I disagree with the Jahan Dotson a little bit, which would be fun this off season to debate. I think I take Garrett Wilson, the highest in this rookie class, but I, I'm also trying not to discredit too much the end of the season that Drake London had with Desmond Ritter because it kind of gave you kind of gives you like AJ Brown rookie year feels a receiver and he comes on late, but he didn't have like the, the we all wanted. But, um, I can't take care. I cannot take Drake London over Garrett Wilson at this point. And I think it's, will take a lobby over London, but I think those three guys are pretty much a tier ahead of everyone else in their class at this moment. Yeah. I, for the, yeah, just to clarify, I wasn't saying, Dotson is going to have a better career trajectory. I'm just saying that I think that everyone kind of left Dotson as a tier below and left for dead, like even below Sky Moore and other even second round wide receivers. And uh, I think that he solidified himself as as a worthy of a first round draft capital. I still like Wilson way more. But like it's it's Jahan. It'll be an interesting conversation. Jahan Dotson, Traylon Burks, Christian Watson next year. Yeah. I rank those Watson, Dotson. That's if Rogers stays. Watson, Dotson. Watson and Dotson. Sounds like a. I want to draft them both. Watson so that's and my Dotson. Team name next year. That's really fun. <laughs> Just <laughs> Dr. Redfish, Bluefish. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, let's, uh, as always, we love to save our dot ends for last. And then we talked a little bit about Travis Kelsey at the beginning. So we can keep this one pretty brief. But. Um, I'll just kind of start out here with tight ends. Um, and I've been, I was itching to say this at the beginning of the show, but I don't even know if it's a surprise. It's just kind of laughable at this point, but Taysom Hill finished as a top five tight end this year. Now, obviously that was boosted by a couple big games and just the tight end landscape that was. Um, but 
I mean, holy smokes. Now in PPR, he was down at the eight, but in half PPR, he was the number five, um, number five tight end. So it's just one of those things where, again, he is a fantasy kind of headache of what to do with. Um, you're obviously not going to draft him as your bona fide tight end just because from week to week, he's not going to give you stability. But I mean, outside of your, I mean, we talked about the Travis Kelsey cheat code, cheat code. outside of your other, you know, three or four, like really it's a crapshoot. Um, and it just proved to be another one this year with tight end. So, um, that was kind of my, my takeaway there with Taysom Hill as the, uh, number five tight end for 2022. Alex, we'll go to you next. Uh, so Braden can gather his wits over there. <laughs> no, I don't hate the Taysom Hill one. I mean, it's just, it's so hard to know what to do with him going forward. Like, I feel like if, if you've had Taysom Hill stock this whole time, you're winning. It's just, you want to sell it at all times. Um, so my surprise... Real quick, the other interesting point, though, was Jawan Johnson was the number eight and a half point PPR. Yeah. So two Saints tight ends, I mean, were top eight in, in that category, which is crazy. Yeah. So mine is going to be uh, TJ Hawkinson. So he got traded to the Vikings in week nine. And since week nine, fill in the blank, he was the tight end what? Uh, since week nine, he was the tight end... Was he tight end one? I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say two. Yeah, he was two behind Kelsey. It's just wow, wild. Well, and he finished um, the year as he, a tight end two overall. Yeah, and he paced George Kittle, so they were like two tenths of a point out in those spans. So it's kind of a cheat. Did not think we were going to be talking about T.J. Hawkinson as a relevant tight end probably in the near future going into this year, and uh, he just proved us wrong. And he had also uh, similar to some of the tight ends that you really want to draft early. He's capable very big blow up games and that clearly win you weeks and so i just think he's in a different conversation we have respect there and i mean i think you know outside of kelsey we're we talking mark andrews we're we talking george kittle and tj hawkinson and i mean it's going to be interesting but i think he's he's clearly now in that tier and i don't see how he's not so you have so you have him in the same tier as Mark Andrews and George Kittle now? Yeah, and I have him above George Kittle in Dynasty pretty easily. But below Mark Andrews? Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with all that. It's closer to Andrews than I like it. But if he falls to the but... fifth round or whatever in redraft next year, Smash. I got Smash. Especially if, if Especially if things stay the same in Minnesota, which we don't know, everything changes. But as much as many variables as there were, most of them stay consistent, then he's kind of that guy again. But George Kittle also had a really good end of the year. So he did, and he did, he's done that a couple years in a row. He deals with injury and then he comes on late. So, yeah. One thing that's interesting is like, where does Kyle Pitts fit in the conversation next year of where the tight end finish? Cause he's obviously nowhere to be seen. Like with those top tight ends, it's usually like, okay, they go in like the first, the top three go in the first three rounds. Then you've got, you know, maybe Kittle in the fifth and Hawkinson going in the sixth or seventh, you know. So it's just interesting to see like how that pushes out and just kind of what happens. And um, right now, I'll let you finish before I, there is one other name I want to bring up, but if it's, you might bring up this name. So I'll let you have it if you do. Yeah. I just to finish one last point with TJ Hawkinson is it kind of elevated all of Minnesota and, I was thinking about it of how no one was happy with Kirk cousins prior to that. And prior to the trade, he was the quarterback 15 on the year. And since the trade, he has been the quarterback six. And so he, 
he's elevated everyone around him. Jefferson finished as the one, um, almost beat the record. And so anyways, um, a guy that I was surprised by, it's really just Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts. I just, every time I play fantasy football and think that there is a sure thing, there is not a sure thing. And just about every one of my rosters had Kyle Pitts or Mark Andrews on it. And I was disappointed with all of them with both of them every single week. And so um, it, it was shocking to me just how, how bad they were. Um, You know, looking back at Mark Andrews points, it's, it's not as bad as we thought it is, but you know, I mean, he still, he still wasn't Mark Andrews last year and Kyle Pitts was really nowhere to be seen. It just was really, really, really bad. So I, I still am like detoxing from fantasy football this year and trying to, I don't even know what I'm going to do next year whenever it comes to a tight end, because there's just so many names like Evan Ingram, like Pat Fryermuth. Ingram was the name I was going to bring up just as the way he finished the season. Cole Komet too. Finish strong. Yeah. Cole. Yeah. Cole, Cole Komet's on there. It's like, here's an off the wall flyer, kind of like an Albert O, but uh Chigakonkwu was from week 13 to week or week 12 to week 17 yep. in top eight. And that, they, the way that they use him all over the field, fullback tight end split out wide. It's pretty interesting. So just confirming your point, Braden, before I interrupted, you were saying those exact same things, but let me say them for you. Uh, it well, it's just, it's just a weird landscape. And like you have these other guys who have upside and, you know, free agents like Gasecki is a athletic freak. He's going to be a free agent. It's going to be interesting to see where he goes. Dalton Schultz is a free agent. You know, like there was that, like there was two different, like three week stints that we thought Tyler Conklin was like legit. And it's just, it's so complicated. And the whole idea of taking Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts this year was a chance at the number one. And if not, you, you know, aim, aim small, miss small, you know, and we missed really, really big. So I, I just, I've got to figure out what I'm going to do with tight end because there's not one foolproof answer. And the one foolproof answer is 34 years old who, you know, it's like, no one's done it at that. And is going to be your first round pick. Yeah. I mean, he's been a smash in the second round for a long time, but if he falls to the second round. Yeah, but like, don't make me choose between don't make me choose between Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. Like, please don't make me do that because I'm gonna choose Tyree Kill and I'll be happy with Tyree Kill. But like, if Kelsey does it again, I'm gonna be. So well, I think upset. we're all we're all afraid of like the Gronk <laughs> fall off, right? Where it like he just goes from the number one to just and then to somebody who's been ascending or somebody who's always in that second tier just immediately leaps up. And does the, what Travis Kelsey did. That's what we're worried about. Yeah, it's not going to be a gradual thing. I think with Travis Kelsey, it's going to be a fall off a cliff type of thing. Which is like, I have him dynasty in our league record. And I'm like, what do I do? Like, me and Alex talked at length about a trade, and I was scared, and rightfully so. But now it's like, anyway, lots of things to think about this offseason, lots of things to talk about. Y'all got anything, last takeaways, initial reactions from the season, or can we go ahead and get out of here? Uh, we're not doing defenses. Kickers, <laughs> Patriots defense every year. 
Patriots defense. It doesn't matter. They just always score points. Unless you had the Bills the last couple of weeks and you get the special teams of the two touchdowns, then that's pretty nice. So, um, well, I guess that was week 18. So not very many, only 6% or 8% of the people that play fantasy got that benefit. So they, those people started Jarrett Stidham. So it balances out. Yeah, that's true. That is, gosh, that's so wild. <laughs> All right. Well, as always, we so appreciate your support. Appreciate you listening. Thanks for a great season. And we will be, um, we're going to take a little break. So we will be back. But when we do, we're excited to just kind of put a preview out there for our, um, where we got it right, where we got it wrong episodes. We'll have some sound bites. We'll have some um, just highlights, probably a lot of laughs, but give us a little break to get that together. And we'll be back, you know, once the, the draft talk really starts to kick up and trades start flying. So, Braden, do you have one last sign off for the people? Yeah. Uh, season one down with you guys. It has been a ton of fun. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part. Um, we are super excited to look ahead at the 2023-2024 season. Um, we wish everyone um, a happy new year. Um, we will see you whenever we're back. Um, we love you all, except for... Um, you Jags beat writers. So go Travis Etienne and uh, James Robinson was a healthy scratch whenever the Jets entire season hung in the balance and they started Zonovan Knight instead. So, and if you haven't liked or subscribed to the podcast yet and you've been listening this long, what are you even doing? Until next time, we are the average pros. See ya. Your time is valuable, and we thank you for sharing a little of it with the average pros. For more clear, concise, and competitive analysis, be sure to follow us on Twitter at AverageProsFF. That's at AverageProsFF. Editing and production by Jonathan Rates. Voiceover by Ben Johnson. Music by Josh Lippy and the Overtimers. We'll catch you at the next one.